This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, my flex learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. My name is Jethro Jones. I'm coming to you from Spokane, Washington. I am the host of the podcast, Transformative Principle, and author of the book, School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, cyber safety, and today, insurance. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. The Cybertraps podcast is a production of the Center for Cyber Ethics, an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research, curricular development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. We are proud to announce that Buoyancy Digital is the inaugural mission partner for the Cybertraps podcast series. A digital advertising consultancy with an ethos, Buoyancy was founded by Scott Rabinowitz, who has been in digital media since 1997 and who has overseen $300 million in youth safety compliant ad buys across all digital platforms for IAB, Google, and Bing-accredited brand and audience-safe advertising sales solutions, media buying, and organizational training for media publishers. Reach out to Scott on LinkedIn at Scott R Media, or go to buoyancydigital.com. Hello there, Jethro. Happy Monday, indeed. <laughs> it is a warm, warm day here in Brooklyn, so I fun bet. to have something to distract me from the air quality. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So uh, can you believe this is episode 49 of this podcast? Isn't that crazy? 
I just am blown away by the whole thing. It's today for I thought fifty was next Monday. Actually, our our Facebook I'm sorry. Today's forty eight. Sorry. Yes. Good. Yeah. Forty nine is this Thursday with Neil Burnhill. Monday, June fourteenth, we will be rolling out in Technicolor, the Center for Cyber Ethics, live on Facebook. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about that. So um, we're going to talk about everything that we've done to organize that, how to how to get involved so that you can be a part of it also. And it's just going to be fantastic. So pretty excited about that launch next week. Very much the same. Excellent, Jethro. Yeah. So we're actually uh, lucky to have a live guest today. Who's with us? So today we have Bliss Landon. She's a longtime insurance specialist and the founder, president, and CEO of UPIC Insurance Services Incorporated where she provides leadership and direction to her senior management team and dictates the overall culture of the organization. For more than 30 years, she has experienced leading teams in sales, marketing, and customer support. Her leadership has contributed significantly to the explosive growth of UPIC in the e-commerce and educational technology sectors. We're going to have to ask her what UPIC means in a minute. <laughs> um, and uh, Bliss and UPIC launched school device coverage, which provides school districts and families at-home devices protection against accidental damage, broken screens, charging failure, electrical failure, loss, theft, vandalism, and more. And I think this is a really important topic because this is one of those cyber traps you could be on the hook for a lot of money if you destroy something that the school gave you um, by your negligence. Uh, finally, she is a member of the Women's Presence Organization and the Parcel Shipping Organization. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree from San Diego State and lives with her family in Hidden Hills, California. Bliss, welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So um, as a school principal, I have certainly dealt with lost, damaged, stolen et cetera, kind of thing. So I, I appreciate what you're doing. I think that it's a, an important service. But first, tell us what, what UPIC actually means and how we, how we can understand that. Okay, UPIC uh, means Universal Parcel Insurance Coverage. So that business has been around for a long time. Um, I'm celebrating 32 years this month. Wow, and, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so anyway, that, that's been our core business for a very long time. Um, we insure packages that are shipped through various carriers out there. So UPS, FedEx, uh, the post office, they all have insurance for the packages that get shipped, but their insurance is very expensive and they typically don't discount their insurance for large volume shippers. So that's what we go after is the large volume shippers out there who really should be getting a discount on insurance. So they, they still ship through the carrier, but insure through us at a significant discount. Yeah. Okay. So that's good to know. And that's, that's something that, uh, that I learned when I became a principal that discounts are available for lots of things, especially when you use them a lot. And yeah. as just a normal everyday person, I didn't realize that there were, there were opportunities for that kind of stuff. And it sounds like insurance is the same way. And so you are, I imagine mostly insuring one-to-one services, which is where each kid has a device and they take those home or not, but they, they still need some kind of support. And from the consumer side, sometimes like normal everyday people, it seems like that is a unnecessary thing to add because there's um, the school should be covering that. And what's, what's your stance on, on that piece? Well, um, the schools do, cover that on occasion, but then, you know, many uh, times we insure the parents. So we'll 
go through the district level and we will uh, set up a portal on our website, on the school's website, actually, that goes to our website and they can purchase the insurance in real time. So, um, you know, you might think that the school is covering it, um, but, but you have to see what the what the parameters are of the program that they're you know providing for the students. So um, they could be providing that, uh, you know, full coverage for the parents and the parents aren't out anything or they could be passing along, you know, some type of, um, you know, monetary amount to the to the parents to cover the device, and so it works both ways. Um, but whatever whatever the whatever the case is, whichever program they decide to promote or to have in their in their district, it's oftentimes at a very low cost to the parents. So whether or not they have it, you know, for twenty thirty dollars, which is typically what the premium would be for the year it's a very low cost to the parents to have that peace of mind that if their child drops the device or, she, you know, they run over it with their car or the dog <laughs> breaks it or they spill a bowl of cereal on it. I mean, there's so many things that can happen to a device. They're covered. And yeah. our, our coverage is very comprehensive. Well, and so, all those things you mentioned, I've seen. So uh, they do yeah. happen regularly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I've done tech support and worked with computers for a long time and father of four boys. So oh. don't even don't even get me started about all of that. But let's just back up for a sec, because I think it's always good to define our terms. We throw out the phrase one to one program. Right. What exactly does that mean? And how is it being impacted by kids having their own devices? So the, a one to one program means that the school is issuing a device to each individual student, okay? So that's what that is. And um, it's, you know, schools are using technology so much more today than they ever had, especially during the pandemic. And so that's what one-to-one -one means, is school issue device to a student. So with that being said, you know, I, it seems like almost everybody we've talked to over the last year has moved to a one-to-one -one, um, implementation of some sort, even down in kindergarten ages. And, you know, as, as the devices get used with younger kids, um, you know, more accidents can happen. So why should people be using, why should people be insuring their devices? Don't the companies have like, you know, Apple has Apple care. Doesn't that come with devices when schools buy them? Tell us about that. Yeah. So a lot of the devices do come with warranties. That's a warranty. But a lot of the, uh, the things that happen, the problems that happen with the devices are not covered under a warranty. For example, accidental damage is not covered. And that's the majority of the claims. Okay. And what can happen is that the, the warranty companies can hassle the parent about what exactly happened. Well, uh, how many feet was it dropped? And they can, they can give all kinds of you know, parameters. It's, it's up to them what they want to cover. So it's not, you know, in stone what they will cover, what they won't cover. It's kind of up to their discretion and it, and it leads to a lot of frustration and things not being covered. So warranty versus insurance is, a, is definitely a thing and they are very different. And so we recommend that the schools have, you know, get the warranty with the devices, which it usually comes with, but don't purchase the extended warranty because even with the extended warranty, the devices are not fully covered. So if they have their warranty and they use us for insurance, then the device is fully covered. 
So, and going back to Fred's earlier question, how does this relate to kids who have their own devices? Um, I, I imagine you're probably not insuring those, of course, but, um, but our kid, I know kids are still using their own devices for certain things. And, you know, my daughter, for example, she has a computer from school and hasn't touched it in four months because there's no, there's no point because we have a different device for her to use that she can do everything she needs to on it. So what, what is, what, how does that play into it, if at all? And could parents buy uh, uh, insurance directly from you for their devices that aren't through a school program? Yeah, no, we don't, we don't have a program for that right now. Um, it's really, our, our program was really designed for the districts to support the districts and their efforts in having a one-to-one -one program. And so we don't do that. Um, you know, there are some products out there that parents can, you know, purchase. And I would definitely recommend that. Um, we currently don't have one right now. Uh, I don't know if we're going to move to that or not because we like getting the bulk of business because we can spread the risk and we can lower the price, you know, uh, for the parents. If the parents have their own device and they have to insure it individually, it's very, very expensive. And it may not be worth purchasing the insurance at that point. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, Bliss, I spent 10 years on a school board up in Burlington, Vermont. So this stuff is very near and dear to my heart from a budgetary perspective. In okay. your experience, do you find that, um, well, let me ask you, let me phrase it this way. Roughly speaking, what's the breakdown between schools that are carrying this cost themselves? They're insuring equipment that they have leased or purchased vis-a-vis -vis those districts that are pushing it out to the parents you know, to cover as, as just part of the school fees. And then I guess related to that um, is the question of what a typical claim is going to be, you know, for these, I guess it depends obviously on the device, but what kinds of things are you seeing? Well, the, the number one claim that we get is a cracked screen, okay? So um, depending on what device they have, a touch screen is gonna be a lot more, uh, you know, costly to replace or repair than a non-touch screen, okay? So those are two you know, things that, that kind of divide what is more expensive than the other. So the insurance typically will be a little more expensive on a, on a touch screen than a non-touch, but that's the number one claim that we get is, is uh, cracked screens. And then after that, I would say um, keys falling off um, and then water damage or some type of liquid damage to the device. That, is, that happens a lot. Having gone through that myself, I yeah, have had the unfortunate experience of uh, spilling an adult beverage onto a keyboard laptop oh. or a laptop keyboard. So that uh, I have some painful experience with. But as part of this whole thing, you know, do you find that schools are picking up this cost or, or are more and more trying to offload that to parents? I would say it's 50-50. Uh, so it really depends on their budget, you know, that they have in place. Um, a lot of schools were issued the CARES Act money and they were able to, you know, provide the insurance, you know, completely to their parents. And then other schools are just, you know, they don't have the funding to provide that, but they, they see the value in insurance. And so that's where we call it a parent buy. And we allow the parents to purchase through the school or through us you know, to the school or vice versa and, and purchase the insurance that way. And that, that proves to be very successful with the parents. It's, it's a good, it, they see the value. I see that parents see the value in that. 
you know, it makes a lot of sense that crack screens is the number one problem. And in my experience as a principal, that was definitely what we saw the most of. So um, as far as which devices you see the most claims for, do you have any data on that and what that looks like? Because I have a couple anecdotal stories, but I'd like to hear how the data plays out first if you because you have a better view than I did. Well, <laughs> the, the uh, most popular device that's used by the schools across the country is the Chromebook. So it's, you know, HP um, Chromebooks and, and um, uh, you know, all different manufacturers of Chromebooks. That's the number yeah. one. Device. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what's interesting is that I, I had one school where we had the majority of iPads and one school where we had almost all Chromebooks. And we saw a lot more repairs needed for the Chromebooks, mostly because they had more parts to them, you know, so they have a keyboard and the keys can fall off. Um, and then they, they have a, a, a screen and a hinge and all those things just, you know, are all failure points. So, so we saw certainly a lot more uh, repairs needed for Chromebooks, um, with those two schools uh, side by side that were about the same size and had about the same number of devices. Um, so what are some strategies that schools can use to reduce um, the need for repairs? Um, what, what's your experience with that? Well, um, you know, the age of the device uh, plays a, an important role in that. And so the newer devices are going to have a better experience. And also getting cases for the devices has proven to be really valuable. So we've partnered with a case company called Netcase. And it's kind of a funny name, but they, they provide a case that is, it's, it's a great case and it really proves to reduce, you know, it's not going to prevent spillage, you know, of, of liquids, but it definitely reduces cracked screens. So we're encouraging our customers to get cases for the devices for sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. Also, one of the things that we noticed was when we had when we had the uh, Chromebooks in a cart, for example, um, we got a lot of breaks. And once we assigned a device to a specific student, our breaks went down significantly. And we didn't count exactly how many, but our librarian who saw every single break that happened, um, even with the less effective um storage mechanism we had in place because the kids didn't take them home. They left them at school and they put them in these milk crates that it was not a great way to store them. But even that was, saw a much fewer number of, um, of breaks that needed to be repaired. And so one thing I would suggest is certainly assigning um, devices to students because when it's quote unquote theirs, it has their name on it and it's their machine, then they take much better care of it, which was just a fascinating little experiment or little thing that we saw as we were um, doing these, all these devices to all these kids. And, you know, they, I, I think it was something like it cut it in half the number of repairs that we needed because kids were just paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, definitely schools need to educate the kids on how to take care of them. Um, you know, the, the classic, you know, they put the device in their backpack, they come home and they throw the backpack in the corner, you know, with a bottle of water inside the backpack. 
that's a classic thing that happens. And so, you know, it, it just making them aware of, you know, certain situations that can happen, I think will also reduce, you know, the risk of the device as well and, and educating the parents. So a lot of our districts that we've had for, you know, quite a while, they do an excellent job at educating their parents and getting the word out that, you know, Hey, you know, this is how to take care of your device. And, you know, those things, you know, if you hear it, you know, it registers and, and it's, it's also the parent's responsibility too, you know, not just the child. So I, I like when our schools, you know, get the parents involved at a higher level to really take care of it because it's, it's an investment for the school and it's, a, it's at a significant cost to the school. Well, sure. Even if you're doing Chromebooks, you're still talking, what, $250, $300 a device yep. at, at a minimum. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, since we do tend to have administrators and teachers listening, do you have some examples of the strategies that schools are using to effectively reach parents? Because that's always the challenge, you know, whether it's, you know, student use of devices or taking care of them, figuring out how to get parents who are really busy to listen and hear what you're saying is hard. So how are schools doing that? Well, I I would tell you that that the parent by programs have less claims than the school district programs. So I, I think it's a great way to go because you're putting the, the responsibility in the parents because they're paying for the insurance. So they are fully aware that they are responsible for that device. If the school pays for it, they don't, they don't see that responsibility. They don't, I mean, they know about it, but they may not take it to heart and really be careful with the device. So the school, the parent buys are, are proving to be our best customer, um, believe it or not. And the way that we get the word out to them was we prepare a flyer for the parents. We tell the schools to put it inside the device if they can, so that that goes home. We also tell them to put it on whatever platform they're using to get their paperwork out to the parents, you know, their their medical forms and their releases and all the things that the parents have to sign up for the kids to make that another part of that process that they agree to this insurance product that or agree to the responsibility of the device. Um, and then some of our schools will hold, you know, a day where you come in and pick up your device and there's banners all over the place and they're advertising how to take care of it. You know, the flyer is everywhere on how to take care of it. It's a well-known thing that the parents are responsible for taking care of this device. See, that's really cool. I'm, I'm Jethro loves it when I toss out these anecdotes, but I'm just going to show my age at this point, because when I was going through school, the big concern was where do you find the right paper bags to wrap your books? Because that's what we had to take care of. You know, Jethro, I can't even imagine you had to do that. So. I actually did. I am old enough that I also experienced that. So That's good. Yeah. Well, just like we protected our books, we have to protect our learning devices. So it's the same thing. Yeah. And that's something where I would really, I would really like to see as we're protecting our devices that we also think about how to keep our kids safe online as well during that time. And, and because this is a, a money issue, we think about it differently than a social, emotional and a development issue. And the reality is, is that we do need to take just as much care over our kids as we do over the devices that they're using. And sometimes it gets overshadowed because you can see the financial costs 
of a new device uh, for 500 students, and it can be it can be overwhelming in that regard. And so I think that it it's also incumbent on us all to to talk about safety and how to use that how to use those devices appropriately, and that it's not just about protecting them physically, but also about protecting our kids um, from the things they see. What what role do you see a company like yours? Um, providing support in that arena for schools when they're, when they're setting up these things so that you're, you're really saying it's not just about devices. We don't care just about the devices. We care about the kids too. Yeah. You know, um, this is something that we are increasingly becoming, you know, very aware of and very concerned about. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's really the parents' responsibility to check on their kids and make sure that, you know, the, the time on the device and, um, and you know how they're spending, how much time they're spending on it, what they're looking at, um, what kind of controls they can put in into it. You know that's very very important. So um, we are definitely looking into that on our podcast. We've had a few people come on for security, for um, you know potential risk. Um, we did an episode on human trafficking. You know predators will contact the kids through their devices you know, so where they're looking, who's contacting them, all those things are so important and and so scary, you know, for this day and age, that they are huge concerns. And so we're just trying to um, really address that issue on our podcast, you know, right now, and and, um, trying to share that with our, our school districts that are using, you know, our insurance. Well, there'll be a bunch of things, Bliss, that uh, we can talk about. I know that I'm scheduled to be on your podcast in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, One of the things that that ties into Jethro's question is, of course, faculty use of devices. So the first question is, um, to what extent are they part of the insurance scheme that you have with schools? And then, you know, what kinds of issues do you see arising uh, with teacher use of devices? So not all of the schools will, uh, will, you know, either purchase the insurance for the teachers or allow the teachers to purchase it. But it, it looks like we're trending in that direction where more and more schools are allowing the, um, the teachers to purchase the insurance as well, or they'll purchase it for them. Um, I, I see this broadening into many other, you know, school issued technology, you know, devices that they're using for different things. And we actually have another uh, division of our company that can uh, provide insurance for those devices. So we are expanding into those areas and we're seeing the need for that. And so to your point, yeah, that, that is definitely happening. We don't have any problems with the teachers. They're, you know, adults and pretty responsible. I don't, I can't think of, you know, any claims issues for them specifically or anything like that. Yeah, that, that's good to hear. One of the other things about, um, about technology is that s- students who are using devices and teachers could potentially leave an open door for ransomware attacks or other cyber attacks. And does your insurance provide coverage for those types of things or is it just the physical? And what advice do you have for those who who are looking for some sort of um, support or insurance if those things do happen? Yeah, we, we don't provide insurance for that. We are just providing insurance for the device itself and none of the contents, nothing that's on the device. 
Um, you know, the schools really have to research that, you know, and there's plenty of tools and insurance companies out there that that can protect them. I mean, that's an issue for all of us just running a business, you know, in the cyber attacks and the things that can happen on our, our computers. Um, it's, it's quite scary. I've been hearing about, you know, some companies that they require, they want them to pay a ransom for whatever they're doing. And it's just, um, you know, it's a scary time out there with technology. So I would recommend that they, you know, consult with somebody who, you know, specifically deals in that area. I think, Bliss, that what's interesting about this is that we're seeing this complicated sharing of costs, right? Technology is invading the schools in massive amounts. And so we're all struggling to figure out who's going to make it financially feasible to do so. Generally speaking, do you see the costs of insurance for school districts rising? Is it, is it getting more expensive or are there economies that schools can experience? Well, you know, unfortunately with COVID, uh, there was a kind of a, a big problem during the middle of last year. And that was in regards to parts. So a lot of our repair facilities that we contract with were having a hard time getting parts. And then once they did get them, the cost had gone up significantly. And we had to maneuver some changes mid-school year last year. And it was, it was pretty tricky, but we got the job done. And so, yes, the cost has gone up a little bit because of the cost of parts rising, like anything else that's been delayed because of these COVID you know, lockdowns, um, you know, parts out of China, you know, all of that has played into, uh, you know, increasing the cost of doing business in this space. Yeah. Yeah. I find that really interesting and fascinating because we, you know, we think, especially from a school perspective, we think, you know, there's millions of people out there and they're making devices for all these millions of people. But then as these economies of scale happen, it, you, you really can get into a bottleneck, especially as shipping delays, factories being closed, all that kind of stuff. And um, we were really fortunate in my school that we had, we had, you know, probably 20 or 30 Chromebooks that we could just swap out for kids who had a broken one. And it was enough that we could, we could make that swap, but the, we were just, we just got lucky because we had a reduced enrollment. So we had more computers than, than uh, we had students and it just worked out that way. Um, and so we'd send that other one in to get repaired and it would be a couple of weeks. And as technology is becoming more a part of what we're doing, it's like saying, you know, your pencil is broken, therefore you can't do the schoolwork and only on a, on a bigger scale. And so how do you help keep those repair times down and what what strategies do you suggest schools use to make it so they can keep those devices in the hands of kids for as or out of the hands of kids for as short as time as possible excuse me well you you bring up a really good point that you have some spare devices and we recommend that all of the schools order spare devices or have some on hand that's the most efficient way to you know keep my my cat is in this room. I'm going to let him out really quick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. I think that was our, our first interruption by cat. So it, it could just, have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> I well, was, we've had, I, he was hiding and I didn't know he was in here. <laughs> well, 
Uh, Cats are sneaky that way. Bliss, that is so much nicer than the sirens that usually interrupt me here in Brooklyn. That's right. (laughs) I've had a jackhammer interrupt me before, but never a cat. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, my my home office has some uh, problems, obviously. I have a couch in my office, and my cats have dug a hole underneath my couch. And they hide in there. And I don't know when they're in there or not because I can't see it. So I apologize. <laughs> I, rec- I recommend pre-broadcast treats. Held <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. <laughs> so, oh, sorry about that. But anyway, back to your point in having, you know, spare devices on hand. You know, the districts can plan on having at least 10% of their devices having an issue and, and needing a repair at some point. So to, you know, buy extra at, you know, close to the, you know, probably like the 5% extra would probably be a good idea to have on hand so that you can swap out the devices and your students are not without a device. That's really important. Um, But the turnaround time to put the the device back in the student's hand, no matter what the, the process is, you know, whether they bring the device to the school and the school sends it in. Or, they, or we send them a box and they put the device in the box and they send it directly to our repair facility. Um, either, either way, it's gonna take about a week to get that device back in the, in the kid's hands. I mean, that's the process. It could be sooner if, if it's a local repair shop, if the school's close by, and we have all different ways that the schools work with repairs, um, but you can plan on about a, a week is the average time. Yeah, well, and the good thing about the, um... The device, the devices that we're using now, like Chromebooks and iPads, is that they are very easy to swap out with another device. So having something else on hand, you're basically getting the same thing that can do the same stuff. Uh, that's much more difficult when you have like a full laptop. Um, the the swap out process is just not as easy. And Chromebooks and iPads have both been designed to be very simple to swap out. Yeah, and the other the other. Um, uh, you know, one of the benefits of using our insurance is that the insurance transfers to the new device. So if the old device is, is getting repaired, and let's say it takes longer because there's a certain part that they didn't have in stock, and maybe it takes more than a week to put back in the you know, kids' hands, that insurance transfers to that device that they're using. You know, maybe they end up keeping that device, but the insurance will transfer with it where uh, warranties and other coverages don't transfer. They just stay with the particular device. So if you get a device and it's out of commission, it's done. And there's no, there's no option for insurance on it moving forward. If you give the kid a new device, it has to be the new, a new process for having the device covered, if that makes sense. It does make sense. We've had some guests on who have been talking about other aspects of school insurance. Um, and one of the trends that we're starting to see are schools having to confront the possibility of self-insuring with respect to uh, certain kinds of things? Jethro was alluding to misuse of devices, inappropriate relationships arising out of how people use that. It would seem to me that you know schools will be making a similar calculation with respect to devices. Does it make sense to self-insure in the sense that you know you go out and you buy maybe ten percent? more devices than you actually need on the theory that that's going to be your breakage over the course of the year. Do you think that's realistic or does the insurance model work better? 
you know, the, the insurance model works better because they will have to form an entire group of people to, you know, re- look into the claims, research what happened, you know, do the paperwork, file it with the repair shop, make sure that you got the repair back. Was it the right repair? I mean, there's just, there's so many things that go into the business model of insurance that they would have to form a whole new business as part of their school to facilitate the insurance needs. So it's not as easy as just swapping out. You know, there, there's, um, there's fraud, believe it or not. There's, there's um, lost. I, I totally believe. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and so, you know, there, there are problems um, that I don't think the schools want to bother themselves with. And they don't have the infrastructure or the personnel to facilitate, you know, the need of having a successful program. Yeah, you know, that's an area where the school district I was in, where we had iPads, we were we were small enough that and several years ago that it was cost prohibitive for us to do um, an insurance because of the where the where the market was at that time, I presume. I imagine now it's it's, it's much better, but it just didn't make sense for us to do that because of our history and how many breaks we'd had and, and how many claims as you'd call them, we, we had had, we didn't call them claims in school, but (laughs) you know, um, and it was interesting because we found that it was, it was better for us to just do it ourselves because we were, we were small enough that we could handle it, but we happened to have really highly competent people in our IT department who actually enjoyed that aspect of it. And it was like the perfect, the perfect thing. And this is, this is an area where those kinds of things you have to take into account that you may not have the right people to do that. You may really need an, an insurance company to manage all of that. Um, and you've got to, you've got to figure that out for your school system yourself, what is going to be, you know, the best choice to do. And it's, it's interesting how, that happens with so many different things. And so going back to the idea of, of self-insurance, um, that, that seems like a good idea until it's not a good idea. <laughs> and that's the challenge is that you can't predict the future, which is the whole purpose of, of insurance is, is protecting yourself against that risk. But one of the things you would run into, Jethro, I think, is that if you've got a really effective parent and student training program like Bliss was talking about earlier, then maybe you can make enough inroads into the breakage or fraud or whatever other problems to make that at least a reasonable possibility. One of the things, one of the reasons I'm raising this particular point is the concept of the digital divide, right? That we still have districts in this country where these kinds of programs are are really out of reach for a bunch of different reasons. And there does seem to be some possibility that the initiatives of the Biden administration may help with that, but I don't know how that's going to play out. And then the question is going to be, is it just going to be for devices or will some of that money be available to help cover insurance costs as well? Because it doesn't help some districts if you dump a bunch of devices, but then parents need to pay X number of dollars per year for insurance. So, you know, there's a tension there. Yeah, which the school is also just going to take on themselves if parents can't do it anyway. As a well, you you would hope that's the question, right? Yeah, I I think it really depends on the size of the district and how many students are there. I mean, we we just signed a district up for they have eighty one thousand students. 
So imagine taking that in-house, <laughs> that might be a little overwhelming. And, and so, you know, I think there's a, there could be a certain level where they could self-insure and it depends on, you know, who they have in place that can, that can facilitate the need. But when you're talking about thousands and thousands of students, it's, it's a huge undertaking to bring that in-house. There's so many moving parts to that, to that, you know, whole process. So I wouldn't recommend it. I think it, you know, we've had some school districts to say, yeah, we, we tried to do this ourselves and it was a disaster and it was the biggest headache, you know, that they could imagine. And so they look forward to doing business with us and just, you know, getting that off their plate so that it's taken care of and it's handled. And then even better, if the parents pay for the insurance, then it's really off their plate. It's not a financial burden to them. You know, the whole process is just, it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Well, this has been a really informative decision or discussion, not decision, discussion. (laughs) Thank you for for your time today. And thank you for helping us understand a little bit more about this market and the situation. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate that. I look forward to talking to you guys on my podcast. Yeah, that'll be fun, Bliss. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we will continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, school device insurance, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to our growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have loved this conversation. If so, please leave a five-star rating and review. And we look forward to seeing you on Thursday with our next guest, Neil Gurnhill. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.